Hello and welcome to Square Wave. My name is Dustin Rogers and this week on the show, cancellations, heartbreaks, defeats, and ultimately redemption. It's the story of one of the most beloved video game composers of all time, a true underdog story. It's the story of Tim Fallen.
Welcome to the show. That was a song from an unreleased game called Time Tracks, composed for the Sega Genesis in 1993 by Tim Fallon. And the operative word there is unreleased because this game, Time Tracks, although completed, was never released by the publisher. Months of work by Malibu Entertainment, that's the development team behind the game, would never see the light of day until years after the height of the console when, in 2013, the game, in its entirety, was leaked online. By this time, the Genesis had long outlived its shelf life, but the few keen enthusiasts who were able to load the finished ROM onto their dusty consoles were treated to one of the most impressive soundtracks of the early 90s. Tim Fallen, however, was nowhere to be found. You see, Fallen had already been browbeaten by the irregular and often unrewarding world of professionally writing music for video games. He was, at this time, living in self-imposed exile from the industry, which he had worked in since his he first entered it in 1985. But by 2013, it would seem that his story was over, culminating in an open letter published on his website in 2005 where he declares, quote, with much delight that he had chosen to stop composing music for video games. And it's hard to blame him, because for most of his career, it seemed that his work was tied to various lead balloons in the form of video games that ranged in quality from mediocre to bad, and often with a troubled development history. Fallen's music, however, was widely considered a bright spot in the otherwise lackluster affairs. And of course, not all of the games featuring Fallen's work were poorly received. There are standouts like 1994's Plock for the Super Nintendo, which fell victim to a saturated market and limited distribution. And Plock really is an archetypal game for Fallen's career. It was renowned for its top-notch soundtrack, which, with the exception of the main theme, only used five of the Super Nintendo's eight sound channels, meaning that the sound effects from the game would never interfere, never interfere with the music that players heard. In fact, one of the tricks that Fallen used in his Super Nintendo soundtracks was to use chords in his samples in order to fit more notes onto a single channel. There is, to this day, a rumor that Shigeru Miyamoto, who is a man who should really need no introduction, he's a famous game designer and the creator of Nintendo's widely popular mascot, you may have heard of him, but when Shigeru Miyamoto heard the main theme of Plock, he couldn't believe it was coming out of an unmodified Super Nintendo. Let's hear that theme now as a proper introduction to the work of Tim Fallen, and we'll be back to tell you about his rise and unfortunate fall on the other side. You're listening to Square Wave on CKUW 95.9 FM.
Welcome back to Square Wave on CKUW 95.9 FM. Square Wave is an audio exploration of every video game soundtrack ever produced, and this week, the works of Tim Fallen, an English video game composer born in 1970 in St. Helens, Lancashire. And as a child, Fallen had no significant musical training, but he began writing music for the ZX Spectrum after he received the console for a Christmas present when he was 14 years old. His older brother had started learning to program, and he gave Tim a machine code compiler, which Fallen says in a 2012 interview that he became immediately addicted to. So addicted, in fact, that he ended up leaving Liverpool's Sandown Music College after one year of studies to begin composing games for a company called Insight, where his older brother worked. As a result, Tim wrote the music driver and soundtrack for their first professional game together, Subterranean Striker. And at this point, we should spend a moment talking about the ZX Spectrum sound chip, which is to say the ZX Spectrum's lack of a sound chip. There was, however, a single piezoelectric speaker, which was capable of generating one-bit sounds, and composers were able to shorten these beeps into a clicking sound. You stack a couple of these next to one another, and you get what is called pulse width modulation, or PWM. And by varying the ratio of time the signal is high to low, the system is able to continuously vary the output while maintaining a constant frequency. And composers used pulse width modulation to make sounds with the speaker, but the frequency needed to be modified to generate various tones. And the ZX Spectrum sound capabilities are, by far, the most simple and limited toolset we've discussed on the show thus far. And in Fallen's own words, all you could do with it was switch from one state to the other using the programming language basic. And still, despite these limiting capabilities, Fallen kept pushing himself to learn new tricks and discovered that he could simulate a phasing sound by continually altering the time between on and off while keeping the overall frequency the same. Following this, Fallen was able to use a two-channel music driver to further experiment and came up with an arrangement for Stravinsky's The Firebird, which was to be used in the company's next game, Star Firebirds. Fallen eventually graduated to three-channel music in his third soundtrack for a game called Vectron. I'm going to play for you now two short songs from this stage in Fulham's career, and I emphasize short because I know that the primitive sound of the ZX Spectrum isn't everyone's bag, but it's important to remember that these songs were composed by a 15-year-old kid who had only weeks earlier dropped out of school to begin pursuing this as his career path. And these songs were not only composed by Fallen, but they were programmed into this system whose speaker was only capable of generating one-bit quality noise by Fallen as well. So here's the main theme from Subterranean Striker, and we're going to follow that by the main theme of Vectron, and we'll be right back to continue the story of Tim Fallen on Square Wave.
So there you have it, some early promise from a young Tim Fallen, working for Insight on the games Subterranean Striker and Vectron. And it's with Insight that he would write the soundtrack for one other game called Future Games before leaving the company, along with his older brother, to work at a new studio called Software Creations in 1987. And it was at this time that Folan's other brother joined the company along with them. For those of you who are keeping track, there are now three Folan brothers in this story. Their names are Mike and Jeff, with Jeff being the latest addition to our story. And it's important that I mention his name because for many of Tim Folan's soundtracks from this era, Jeff would be credited as a co-composer. And together, Tim and Jeff composed the music to a vast majority of Software Creations games, including all of their NES titles, which we'll get to in a few moments. Tim Fullen's initial contributions to software creations, however, were as an arranger, taking existing soundtracks and transposing them onto different hardware. This is an art form unto itself, of course, as taking music programmed using the sound capabilities of one system onto the sometimes wildly different sound capabilities of another without losing the music's identity requires a keen ear and a mind for problem solving. Fallen's first work for the company was arranging Taito's Bubble Bobble, which would also be his first time working with an actual sound chip, the AY38910. And during this time, he would arrange several other high-profile ports, such as Bionic Commando, Flying Shark, or Sky Shark, as it was known here in North America, and Capcom's LED Storm, while also composing original scores for software creations in-house developed games. And some of the games that he developed deviated so greatly from their original scores that I dare call them entirely original soundtracks. One of the most prominent examples of this is on Fallen's 1987 soundtrack for Ghouls and Ghosts on the Commodore 64, which features music hardly reminiscent of its arcade predecessor. I've got one of those tracks queued up for you now. This is The Haunted Graveyard by Tim Fallen for the Commodore 64 port of Ghouls and Ghosts. You're listening to Square Wave on CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Square Wave. If you're just joining us, this week's program is examining the career and music of Tim Fallon, an English composer and sound designer responsible for many excellent soundtracks during the 8-bit and 16-bit eras. And at this point in the story, Tim has been working at Software Creations since 1987, and as the decade comes to an end and begins to roll over into the 90s, the company started developing original titles for the Nintendo Entertainment System. This ended up being a difficult transition for Fallen as the Commodore 64's popularity began to wane. Fallen said in a 1990 interview that he felt, quote, a bit of desolation over the prospect of no longer composing for the Commodore 64. Fallen now had to program music for an entirely new hardware platform, but this challenge also gave him the chance to showcase his talents for the much larger audience that Nintendo's platform provided. Fallen's first opportunity to compose an original soundtrack for the system would come in 1990 with the release of Solstice, the quest for the staff of Demnos. And Solstice is a puzzle game that received fairly good reviews, many of which recognized Fallen's soundtrack as a standout on the system. In a 2012 interview with the Commodore 64 enthusiast Richard Atkinson, Fallen said this, quote, I did not like composing for the NES, even though in many ways it felt like a step backwards from the Commodore 64. I think initially it annoyed me and felt very limiting, but once I mastered some tricks, like how to have bass lines and drums on the same channel, it opened up more possibilities and in a way became quite a useful instrument, though it did lend itself to certain sorts of music. That's the thing with sound chips. The music I wrote, even the style, was always whatever worked on that particular chip, which is why it altered quite a lot between consoles. Solstice was basically the culmination of all the tricks I learned, plus I also felt that I'd done a lot of different styles on the NES for some quite boring games, and I'd enjoyed writing Ghouls and Ghosts so much because it gave me an excuse to write folk rock. So when Solstice came along, it gave me an excuse and opportunity. Incidentally, the intro to the tune was inspired by a Yes concert I'd been to recently. Rick Wakeman started the concert playing something quiet and childish on the organ. Then there was a big explosion as the whole band came in with Starship Trooper. In fact, if you listen, the first two chords of Solstice are essentially the same. End quote. And the song Fallen is talking about is the main theme of Solstice, and it's one of the three songs I prepared for you now from Fallen's work for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And here we're treated to Fallen's signature style on full display as his skills composing for the system matured. This is the theme of Solstice. This is the one that Fallen says sounds like the Yes song from the concert he'd been to. And I'm going to follow it up with the Pictionary theme and the fourth track from the Silver Surfer soundtrack for the Nintendo Entertainment System. You're listening to CKUW on 95.9 FM in Winnipeg.
Welcome back to Square Wave on CKUW 95.9 FM. Before the break, I mentioned Folan's signature style, which I don't think I need to spell out at this point, but it's widely viewed as being prog rock. And Fallen himself cites Led Zeppelin, Jethro Tull, Black Sabbath, and Rush, among others, as major influences on his work, as well as artists such as Quincy Jones, Vangelis, and John Martin. Fallen says that he's never been a fan of video game music, and he did not listen to the work of his musical contemporaries while he was working in the video games industry. However, he views this as being a benefit to his career, and in an interview from 2000, Fallen speculated that if he had listened to other video game music, he ran the risk of encountering ideas that he had not thought of and subsequently becoming either discouraged or prone to copycatting. Fallen also credits his two older brothers with introducing him to prog rock and saying that it was almost unavoidable in his house growing up, and so he adopted the style almost by default. According to Fallen, these influences were likely the strongest as he began composing soundtracks for the Super Nintendo, which happens to be right about where we are in the story. And as the 1990s continued, game hardware advanced and software creations left the NES behind and moved on to Nintendo's 16-bit system. And it was on this system that Fallen would compose some of his most memorable and enduring music that would later also be recognized as sort of the high watermark for his output. And it was after this point that the wave of his career would crest and begin to roll back into the sea. Of composing for the SNES, the Super Nintendo that is, Fallen says, quote, I did enjoy the SNES, both for its nicely filtered samples and its eight channels, which made life so much easier. There wasn't much sample memory, but that made it a challenge to see what you could squeeze into it. If there's one thing I miss more than anything else from working during the early console era, it's the challenge of working out how much I can get out of a single chip." End quote. And I love this quote because it reveals that Fullen's music was always about challenging himself within the hardware limitations posed by the various platforms that he worked on. I'm also a big believer in creative limitation, which is essentially the belief that restrictions breed creativity. And Stravinsky, that's the Russian-born composer, pianist, and conductor that I mentioned early in the program as an early influence on Folan, he also believed in creative limitation through the use of his time signatures, which he restricted himself from using, for example, in his composition for The Rite of Spring. And we see now how Folan's influences have come full circle. I've got two tracks for you now from Folan for the Super Nintendo, and the first being just the absolutely incredible beach theme from Plock. And the second one being the title track from Spider-Man and the X-Men in Arcade's Revenge, which is an unfortunately bad game that tricked me into renting it more than once as a child, but Fullen's soundtrack manages to nearly redeem the entire thing. Please enjoy these two tracks. We'll be right back on Square Wave on CKW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg.
Welcome back to Square Wave, an audio exploration of every video game soundtrack ever. And now we're finally ready for that heartbreak I promised you off the top of the hour. You see, the wheels had begun to come off the bus at Software Creations, and according to Tim Fallon, that's the composer whose works we're playing this hour, office politics ran high around the end of 1993, and Fallon and his co-workers lost trust in the management as they were being paid what he described as peanuts compared to what the company was making. So... In 1993, Fullen moved on to what he thought would be greener pastures at a startup comic book company called Malibu Entertainment. But the nature of that company would soon become an issue for Fullen as he realized that the company had very little knowledge of video games or the games industry and they quickly began to run into big problems. Fullen remembers that although the programmers and artists on his team did quite a bit of work, the company was badly managed and he found himself doing almost nothing for the better part of a year. And unsurprisingly, Malibu's gaming division collapsed within a year, very quickly. After shipping only one title, and that was the universally shunned game called Prime for the Sega CD. But one of the projects that Fallen managed to do quite a bit of work on was a game called Time Tracks, which was based on a science fiction television series of the same name. This was the unreleased game that I opened the show with, and it features an absolutely incredible score from Fallen using the FM synthesis that the Genesis really excelled at. And for this project, Fullen says he did a tremendous amount of work, assisting in the development of an original music driver for the console with his lifelong friend, which he described as, quote, the best and most flexible music driver I'd ever used. Unfortunately, the music driver would only ever be used once on this game, and of course, that game would never see a proper release. This moment, I think, is when Tim Fullen began to see his career as a composer coming to an end, and he began to hint in interviews that he was considering a career change. All told, Fullen spent just 18 months at Malibu before it collapsed around him. Before we move on to the final segment on today's program, let's hear one more song from the just fantastic Time Track soundtrack that was ultimately leaked online in 2013 in its finished state, complete with Fullen's soundtrack intact. This is the main theme from Time Tracks for the Sega Genesis, composed by Tim Fallen. <laughs>
Welcome back to Square Wave on CKW 95.9 FM. And for our final segment on Tim Fallen, I'm going to condense about 25 years of information into approximately three minutes. So let's go. After Malibu, Fallen found himself working as a freelancer, first with his brother Jeff, but quickly realized that there wasn't going to be enough work for both of them, and Jeff moved on to become a teacher. And from 1994 until about 2000, Tim was involved in only a handful of titles, most notably Batman and Robin for the PlayStation, Echo the Dolphin, Defender of the Future, which was originally for the Dreamcast, and the multi-platform game Starsky and Hutch. It was clear for Fallen that he was becoming frustrated composing for games with its irregular workload and tepid pay, which Fallen says caused him, quote, distress and illness. And in particular, the stop and start nature of game development and having a bunch of his projects shelved was weighing heavily on him. And the final straw came when he was working on a new soundtrack for a Disney game that involved a full orchestra. Fullen created an orchestral demo using his sample library, and when it inevitably went before Disney's committee for approval, well, here's a quote from Fullen about the feedback he received, quote, They told me it wasn't quite joyful enough, or didn't have enough grandeur, or was too grand, or whatever. And I could see a year of committee meetings and headaches ahead, so I pulled out before it went any further. I love working within limitations and making the most of them, but trying to appease several people with several different opinions and musical tastes all at once is an impossible task. Committees have the same effect on the creative spark as too much stoking has on a fire. More often than not, it gets put out. End quote. And after this, in August 2005, was when Fullen announced his departure from the games industry and the end of his composing career. But the story doesn't end here. No, no, remember I promised you redemption too. And after a seven-year hiatus, Fullen began working on a full-motion video game called Contradiction with Baggy Cat Entertainment. And this game was called Contradiction. And it follows an investigation by Detective Inspector Frederick Jenks into an apparent suicide of a young woman named Kate Vine in the fictional village of Edenton. And Fallen turned to Kickstarter to fund this project, and after a few failed starts, it ultimately did meet its funding goal of £3,000 and began production in 2014. Due to a lack of funding, Fallen was forced to invest thousands of pounds of his own money into finishing his vision of the game. But it seems it was worth it because in January of 2015, the game, which was written, directed, and composed by Fallen, ultimately released on Windows PCs through popular marketplaces and on iOS devices. It received excellent reviews and today is one of the highest rated FMV games ever made. Fallen later followed the success with another FMV game called At Dead of Night, which released in November 2020 to similarly high reviews. Published this time on his company's dime, At Dead of Night is a horror mystery game that impressively blends live action and 3D graphics to tell its story, which was again written, directed, and composed by Fallen. On his shift of film, Fallen says, quote, I suppose it's like music. If you get an idea and you can see how to make it work, you have to follow through just to satisfy your own curiosity. I think I have the same enthusiasm now for filmmaking that I had for game music when I started back at Software Creations in 1987. We all change, I suppose. End quote. And that's all I've got for you this week. I'd like to leave you now with one more song from the Plock soundtrack for the Super Nintendo that I think really encapsulates the prog rock style of Tim Fallon's classic work. And this is a song called Acrylic. As always, thank you very much for listening to Square Wave, and I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. 